The OMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. Mirrodin Besieged is coming soon, and StarCityGames.com is your source for boxes, cases, fat packs, intro packs, complete sets, and singles. Head on over to StarCityGames.com and pre-order Mirrodin Besieged today. And what do I see? Survival of the fittest, Genesis and Squee. Suppose you're gonna go tutor up a Tarmagoy. No, I got time before I work on your life. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 53 of Yo MTG Taps. This is Big Head Joe. And this is and Joey Pasco. Yeah, that's Joey Pasco, who is now officially Mexican. Um, <laughs> no, just kidding, we've got John Medina up in the house. How's it going, man? It's going good, man. How are you doing? Doing great, doing great. Um, have been off work like most of this week, so I've kind of been just straight chilling. Uh, it's been kind of nice. Uh, I've been, I'm in the process of alphabetizing my entire magic collection, uh, <laughs> which is really fun. Yeah, that's awesome. I read about uh, that on Twitter that you were alphabetizing your magic collection. Yeah, it's pretty awful, but. I realized that I have way too many cards, and I want to just start getting them organized in such a way where, for like whenever I see something on a on a buy list, I can just go and yank it and sell it. Like, because I just going to start cutting some of that stuff out, and I can do it slowly but surely. So, yeah, that's definitely a good idea. I've been meaning to do the same thing, but I just have boxes and boxes, and most of it's just common and common junk. But I mean. You know, every now and then people want that stuff, so I don't know. Right. I was surprised, like, because I, you know, bought a collection a little while ago, and I was surprised, like, all the random, like, Urza Saga, like, commons and uncommons that, like, stores were buying. It was like, oh, really? Great. (laughs) Like, I'm selling way more of this than I thought I would. Like, I mean, I still got stuck with tons of crap, but, you know, it was still not that bad. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what were they buying? I'm just curious. I I haven't looked I, at, like, common buy-list buy stuff for a while. I can't remember for the life of me. Like, it was stuff... I mean, I hardly know any of those cards. They didn't really play much when those cards were legal. So, like, I can't... I couldn't really tell you most of it. Some of the obvious staples, you know, like, common and uncommon from there, and then, like, some stuff that seemed really random, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would seem like... You know, normal stuff like dark rituals and caresses and stuff like that. I mean, lightning bolts, you know, people, you know, will buy those. Vendors usually buy those pretty easily. Right, right. Yeah, so we had an event down in San Jose, Star City Games Open Series last weekend. The reason why we have John Medina on tonight is because Joey is exhausted from (laughs) talking about magic all weekend, so... I figured we'd uh, we'd get a sub in this week and give him some time to relax and yeah. uh, decompress <laughs> from the weekend. So, uh, so we're picking up the slack here. Yeah, ba- we'll do basically, it. I'm the uh, bench warmer, you know. Second, yeah, second stream pod- podcaster. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, but you're doing a great job. You're not just carrying a clipboard, man. I really appreciate <laughs> that. Um, so. Uh, so Saturday was standard, and standard uh, was won by Adam Prozac, 
playing rug control in a mirror match, actually, against Alex uh, Bertoncini, uh, last year's Star City Games Player of the Year, also playing rug control. Rounding out the top eight, we had Brian Kibler playing Cargo, Matt Nass playing Elves, Steve Edelson playing blue-white control, Tom Rainey playing rug control, Sherwin Pugh playing red deck wins, and Jason Janisewicz playing rug control. So four rug control decks in the top eight, which I know makes my roommate Travis really happy. He's chilling, <laughs> he, he's chilling here on the couch. He's listening in. Hey, everybody. He, Travis says hi. Say hi. Hi. I don't know, man. I have not really had my head in standard lately. I've been really playing a lot of extended, you know, uh, trading for extended cards, that kind of stuff. But uh, I did watch most of the coverage. And um, first of all, Gavin and Joey, they did an awesome job on the coverage. It was uh, yes. it was just really good. It was, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. Just like watching a regular, some kind of show on CNN or something. Some other regular sports coverage, you know. That's what you. That's what I saw you wrote on Twitter. Was that like it was like watching real TV? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was entertaining. It was uh, informative, you know. And uh, Gavin is kind of a brewer, you know. So he's always got these ideas and these um, like card interactions and all this stuff like in the forefront of his mind. Mm-hmm. So it's good to get that kind of commentary, you know, while you're watching the while you're watching the games. But yeah, as far as the format goes, I mean, a lot of rug. I didn't, I didn't expect that to happen. I mean, you know, it's just kind of crazy. It just came out of nowhere. Uh, but I really like, the more I see uh, Brian Kibler play that uh, Kago deck, I like that deck. It seems pretty cool. It seems, uh, it seems a lot better than I initially thought it was, I think. It's a neat deck. My roommate's been playing Rug Control for a while, which, by the way, John, uh, you'll respect the pimpage. <laughs> my roommate, my roommate foiled out rug control completely. Wow! Did he get yeah. the pieces? Yeah, dude, four. Oh, nice. Yeah, dude. Yeah, he totally went for it. He was just like, you know what? I gotta foil this whole deck out. So he, he did. He straight, he straight pimped the entire deck, which that's, is totally awesome. awesome. Yeah, I knew, I knew you'd respect that as a as a former pimper. Well, actually, so, the, oh, oh, it's funny you say that. Um, I was uh, I was a former pimper, but now I'm a former former pimper. <laughs> oh, you quit quitting? I see. I quit what are you pimp, What are you pimping out? Everything again? Yeah, I'm pimping it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this. that's great! So you quit? Okay, all right, all right. The the first deck that I pimped was Rug Control. Nice. I mean, the first deck that I pimped coming back, I mean... Oh, well, of course, obviously, back yeah. Back in the day, the first deck I pimped was, uh, I think it was Threshold or something. But yeah, man, I uh, I pimped Rug Control at GP Nashville. And mm. so I got my four foil jaces at GP Nashville. And um, I pimped it all out. And then Michael Jacobs came up with the brilliant idea of putting uh, Inferno Titan in the deck. And then I was like, damn it, now I gotta get. I had just gotten foil frost titans, you know, in Nashville. And I'm like, damn it, now I have to get foil inferno titans. So, I mean, that wasn't a hard task, but. uh, Right. But yeah, I'm I'm back on the pimp train, dude. It gives gives me a little incentive to trade, other than just trading for value, you know? It gives me, like, a a little goal, and uh, I got a rep to keep, you know? I'm I'm the baller, you know? So, I gotta play like. Watching my roommate pimp out the rug control deck kind of gave me a newfound respect for pimpage. Plus, uh, plus the fact that um, 
for Christmas, my buddy Lloyd just got me a Cabal Ghoul for my EDH deck, because it's Balthor the Defiled, like, mono zombies. Right? <laughs> so he got me a Cabal Ghoul from Arabian Nights, which is eroded to be a zombie, by the way. Oh, that's sick. What, what does Cabal Ghoul do? It's a 1-1 one, one for a black and 2, right? At the beginning of each end step, put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on it for each creature that went to the graveyard that turn. Oh, wow. So it's just a thing that grows and grows in the right conditions. Well, sure, you're, <laughs> you're a mono-black deck, so you're killing things left and right, I could imagine. Yeah, my, my zombie deck just abuses the graveyard and then like uses Balthor to get them all back. Oh, okay. Okay, so you're doing, like, sack engines with, like, blood gas and stuff like that. Sack engines, like, there's a memory jar in there to discard creatures. It's it's fun. Uh, Let's talk about the the Legacy Tournament. All right. So then Sunday, we had the Star City Games Legacy Open, which was won by Ian Bartolome playing Goblins, and he defeated Jerry Thompson playing Countertop. Defeated. Jerry Thompson has been defeated. <laughs> yeah, I was really, I was really pulling for Jerry. I wanted to see him pull it out with some blue cards, but uh, unfortunately, the little red dudes got there. And the little red dudes keep getting there too. Yeah. Yeah, they got there uh, not this week, but uh, last week too. And uh, it looks like there was two copies of goblins in the in the top eight. One was uh, had a black splash for Thorn Weirding and Parish. And then uh, the other one had a green splash for Crossen Grip and Tin Street Hooligan. Yeah, so I mean, pretty much the same deck, except for one's got a green and one's got a black splash. But yeah, so the goblins, there's two, two goblin decks in the top eight, and then we had two countertop decks, two merfolk decks, and then two, like, I don't know, interesting decks. We had a black-white dead guy ale deck, which has uh, got Tidehall Scholars, Mother Runes, Dark Confidant, Vampire Nighthawk as a four. Yeah, isn't that interesting? That <laughs> Vampire Nighthawk saw play in Legacy this weekend. Yeah, that's pretty I sick. love that. My buddy, he did pretty well at one of the um, Mean Deck Opens uh, last year with Vampire Nighthawks in his deck. He had a he had like a mono black deck with a Dantuku Shade and discard spells and stuff, and uh, he had four Nighthawks in there, and he did pretty well with it. Oh, that's so great. Vampire yeah. Nighthawk is just one of my favorite creatures they've printed in a while. Yeah, he's pretty awesome, especially if you put, like, a Sword of Fire and Ice or Sword of Light and Shadow on him. That's what they got in this deck here with the uh, Stoneforge Mystic package. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And then uh, we also had, uh, looks like, a green-white-black junk deck, which was uh, just your typical kind of, like, Neither Reliquary, Dark Confidant, Tarmogoyf, and then discard spells and... Swords of Plowshear, stuff like Main that. Main deck, Nihil, Spell Bombs, and Tormod's Crypt. <laughs> he was expecting some graveyard decks, I guess. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> he did not want to lose the dredge. <laughs> no. The, one of the funnier things about this tournament that was uh, that I was laughing about is uh, one of the Merfolk players... Uh, when he got to the tournament site... <laughs> yeah, I know this story. Yeah, have you heard this? He yes. Got to, he got to the tournament site, and he forgot his mutavaults. Okay, so he had no mutavaults. So instead of buying or borrowing mutavaults, he was like, ah, oh, screw it, I'll just run four spell pierce instead. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so this guy's rolling with 16 lands. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, like, four spell pierce and then a merfolk deck. And, uh... <laughs> it's just crazy. You know, he must have, like, uh... He must have just played tight and mulliganed like a fiend. Like, to make sure that he had what he needed. I actually love this deck. Like, this deck seems really neat. I mean, obviously, I think you run the Mutavaults. <laughs> yeah, when you have 16 lords, you might want Mutavaults. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, like, I think you, you run the Mutavaults, but I love this deck. Like, it looks like a fun deck to play. Well, the thing I like about this the most is that it, it seems like a fairly budget deck for Legacy. You know, like, I mean, you have four Wastelands, but there's no well, for, revised duels. Yeah, you got four Wastelands and four Force of Will. Yeah, but I mean, like, that's like two chase cards to build an entire, like, sweet legacy deck. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't seem like a bad deal to have to acquire two chase cards to build a whole legacy deck, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, I wouldn't even, like, I guess I don't like making the point that, hey, this is a cheap legacy deck. Because I think the math is in, in the in, like, legacy's favor for building decks. Like, if you wanted to play a format and have a deck that's going to last the longest... And, uh, you know, your cards are going to be valuable longer. It's going to be legacy. You know what I mean? Sure. But, I, I mean, mean my, my point is simply that my point wasn't to somehow suggest that legacy is too expensive of a format. You know what I mean? Like, I was simply saying that, like, you know, for <laughs> some... <this> is, <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, for way. someone who's looking to get started in the format, this is obviously a very strong deck that doesn't require you to like you know sell a kidney you know what i mean like or to you know just actually put in the work and trade towards a deck you want to play which is probably you know what almost anyone could do if they wanted to frankly yeah and i mean you know the same argument could be made about selling a kidney to play standard you know yeah oh yeah no for sure so so i just I, i don't know i just every time there's talk about legacy there's always talk about pricing in Legacy, and it's like, you know, if you built a Legacy deck three years ago, it's just about the same deck. You know what I mean? The same cards. Like, you haven't had to buy a new deck for Legacy for the last X amount of years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas Standard, it's just like, if you had a deck three years ago, you probably can't even play an Extended right now. <laughs> It's true. No, you're you're right. No, I mean that makes a lot of sense, and I'm sure people don't think of it that way too often. So that's a really good point. But it looks like legacy carries on even without survival of the fittest. Um, <laughs> yeah, it looks like goblins just rules the house without a survival of the fittest. <laughs> no, they're doing it's doing pretty well. I mean, I like I I love seeing like the aggro decks thrive. Like I'm all about that. So yeah, I think we can see more. Um, engineered plague in the sideboard yeah well you know i'm not seeing a lot of that in these counterbalance decks or like you know i mean you can just splash a, an underground scene and, and play engineered plague yeah but here's know? the thing like you know many of the goblins players i saw them talking to on sunday you know they were at they were talking about engineer plague and it's like yeah well i mean i just play a lord or two and then I'm out of range of it anyway. Yeah, but then when you kill the Lord, then the rest of their dudes die. That's true. That's so it's it's point. like, yeah, you can get out of range of an Engineer Plague, which is not a problem, but what it gives the control player is the opportunity to kill one creature instead of kill 
X creatures, you know? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I like it. I like Engineer Plague. Um, it's kind of one of those just staple sideboard cards for this kind of metagame. When you got Merfolk and Goblins, you know, roaming, roaming the streets. I just wish... I'm, I'm, I'm upset that zombies didn't carry on into Legacy as a viable uh, tribe to play. Well, there was there was the deck with four Tide Hollow Scholars. <laughs> yeah, but that's not a zombie tribal deck. Uh, <laughs> I, I it, that was always my favorite tribe. I mean, for obvious flavor reasons, and probably not for playability. Um, and then I carried on to my EDH deck, which is the only EDH deck I've ever really stuck with, and it's you know Balthor and just straight zombies. So it always upset me that. They didn't make a splash in legacy like goblins and elves and yeah. I think they're just stuff. too expensive to cast. Right, there aren't any aggressively costed ones. Yeah, they're a little too like mid range. Yeah, it's like a mid rangey deck. I mean, the first card that I really, really wanted was a zombie. It was a Corlash. Yes. Like when I, when I started playing, I was like, I mean, I played different decks and you know just played. I played burn. I played green white, Smitty. I just call any deck that's green-white Smitty now. So I played green-white Smitty, I played mono-red, and then, like, I was just getting a feel for the game, and the first card that I really decided, hey, I really want this card, was Corlash. It was one of those things. My roommate just passed me his iPad, and it's got a picture of the artwork for Black Sun Zenith. Allegedly, it must be Black Sun Zenith, because, like, zombies down there. It is just some of the coolest artwork that I've seen in a while. Like, it is some really hot artwork. Nice. Yeah, have you said... Two things, man. The art in this new set is sick. Like, I'm not I'm not the kind of... I don't know what they call it. I think a, a Vorthos is what they call it or something. Who's Vorthos. Like, flavor, yeah, flavor. Yeah, who's into the flavor. and the, yeah. I'm not, like, one of those guys, but, uh, but man, the art in this set is pretty sick. And, uh, and I, I like I like what I'm seeing in the, in the spoilers, you know? I love the depiction of the war. Like, it really gives that impression, you know? You, like, you really feel the, uh, like, the whole theme of what the set's supposed to be about, like, in the artwork. I think they just did a great job with that, just on what we've seen so far. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. So it, what side are you on, dude? You on the hearing uh, uh, or you on the Phyrexian? Um, I don't Oh, man, that's a tough call. To be honest, I haven't really thought of it uh, too hard. I mean, I, I have, but there are things I like about both. Like, I love the, like, I love some of the cards on the on the Mirren side, like uh, uh, Hero of Bladehold. Me and my roommate are already like totally jonesing to build a deck around uh, around knights. Yeah, you and everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of people who want to build knights. That That's going to make the uh, knight exemplar start to hike in price, you know? Yeah, I already picked up a foil one, like, as soon as we started thinking about this. Unfortunately, I haven't found many more to trade for. I'd be picking them up left and right. But I haven't had... I just honestly haven't had many opportunities to trade the last couple of weeks. So you're you're definitely a mirror then. That's what you're about. I don't know, though. Because like, I've always loved the infect creatures and I just I love the I love the feel of a lot of the Phyrexian stuff. Yeah, you can't ride the fence, dude. You got to pick a side, man. All right, I'm gonna pick a side right now. 
All right. Snap choice, and I got to stick with it because I'm recording it on the show. That's I'm right. going. I'm going Phyrexian, and I'm sure that's not a surprise to many people, especially Joey. Joey would probably be like, "Yeah, I had a Pegasus Phyrexian like when Scars of Mirrodin came out." But anyway, <laughs> I'm going Phyrexian. I'm going there. I'm just going to pick a side. You're right. I can't. I can't ride the fence. I got to pick a side. I'm going Phyrexian. So yeah, I am too, man. I changed my picture on Twitter and everything, dude. I'm Phyrexian. So there it is. So I guess I'll be getting glisses. Yeah, if you were about to say like that you're Mirren, I would have had to lay the beat down, dude. Although I do like that Hero of Blade hold, man. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, seriously though, do you you like that card? Yes, I do. I think Why? it's re- I think it's really strong. Why is it strong? Explain this to me. Okay, it's a knight, which fits in with like the synergies with uh, the exemplar. Which mm-hmm. I really like. I love the fact that um, you know it, it swings for nine power. If you you know if you let it live a turn, mm-hmm. you get to swing through for nine power with it. And if you're swinging with anything else, they get they get a bonus too. So what kind of deck would you see this in? Like like show me the deck. What does it look like? The the deck that we keep thinking about is running like Student of Warfare. What's the two two flying cat knight thing? I mean, I, Leonin, I remember seeing Leonin it. Leonin but... Sky Hunter. Yeah, 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 that's right. It would run that. It would probably run Honor of the Pure, Mirren Crusader, uh, Hero of Bladehold, Knight Exemplar. I mean, that's so a decent with, base without right there. The, okay, without the Knight Exemplar, doesn't this deck just lose to Day of Judgment? Sort of, yeah. Because, like, as a control player, if I seen this deck, where if, if I seen this opening, uh, turn one student, turn two Leonin, I'm not tapping my mana on turn three. I'm making sure that that exemplar eats a mana leak. Right. Like it, and I mean he's a he's a three drop, so depending on the situation, you know, he's even in cancel mana range. So like then, you know, if that guy gets countered or if he gets you know, journeyed or whatever, then the day of judgment just you're dropping a four drop and then by then before you can even like get any value out of it, you're gonna get dayed or you're gonna get you know what I'm saying? Well that's the other thing is that um like Hero of Bladehold is a pretty decent response to a day. I mean, the, the card gives you a little bit of insurance against board sweepers. Yeah, I can see after a day it would be it would be pretty strong drop, you know. Yeah, and then I think that's like a lot of where you would wind up using it. Um, and if you were and if you were playing against a opponent that you knew didn't have day, then you could play it however you wanted. Yeah, I don't see like my snap impression of this card is I don't like it. Like, as a player, unless there's other cards that are going to make this card better, the card by itself, I don't like. I mean, I can understand that. It just seems like, uh, because it doesn't affect the board immediately, and because it's it's under counterspell, like, it's it's on top of counterspell mana, so it isn't going to get under, you know, counterspells. And because Jace is in the format, and Jace can just bounce a big four drop. That's true. I just don't, like, I'm thinking of all the cards I play. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Counterspells, Jace, you know, removal spells, Day of Judgment, or, or Pyroclasm, or whatever. Yeah, I, and, I, I, I dig that for sure. Yeah, so when I when I see a card like that, I, a lot of people are, are into it. Um, some people, when they form an opinion, they try to support it. You understand? Like, they try to put, uh, they try to put legs, like, like, if their belief is a table, they try to put more and more legs into the table. So that it holds uh, stronger. Mm-hmm. But for me, what I always do is when I have a belief or when I 
when I have an opinion, I try to knock it down so that I can, so if it, if it stands the test, then I know it's a good idea. I don't try to support it all the time. I always try to find a reason why I'm wrong. So, so with this card, I'm always looking, that's why I'm interested in your opinions, because I'm always looking for a reason. Am I wrong about the hero of Bladehold? And I haven't really been convinced that I'm wrong about it. Like, I don't, I see some, some people who are good at magic saying it's a good card, but I don't see it. I don't, I don't like, uh, I don't like the card, you know? I mean, with the best case scenario, this card could be good, you know? Like, if you have, like, Brave the Elements or something, Brave the Elements just makes the card really good, you know? Like, if they try to bounce it with Jace, you can Brave, or if you're swinging, you can swing and then Brave, like, to, uh, to get through. What do you think about Glissa? Yeah, I was going to say, since we've already started talking about spoilers, let's just uh, get into this. Yeah, let's dig in, man. Let's, spoilers. Let's, yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> I like Glissa. If anyone has an opportunity to pick up Japanese foils of Glissa the Trader, I probably think it's a really, really good idea. Because this seems like the most broken EDH general they've printed in a while. Okay, broken how? I'm just going to be the devil's advocate. All sure. <laughs> no, but like being not- able to trade removal for getting artifacts back to your hand from your graveyard. There's so much like graveyard artifact abuse in EDH. And I just feel like this is such a cheap costed general that has such a strong ability. It just seems, I don't know. Like it just seems like the kind of card you could at least have the jump on getting out multiple times and... Being able to return artifacts from your graveyard to your hand in EDH is pretty huge. Like, does memory, yeah, definitely. Does memory jar exile? No, no, it does not. No, it goes to your graveyard, and it's totally illegal in EDH. Yeah. Like, you know, being able to recur memory jar every turn, like having like an attrition out or something, because, you know, I think of EDH. I mean, I think of black cards yeah. when I think of EDH. So, like, <laughs> you know, like having an attrition and being able to keep, like, getting back, like, uh, Undead Gladiator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, the, You know, just every turn being able to, like, get an art and then getting an artifact back, which could be Memory Jar, which you could be discard, you know, I don't know. It's just, like, it just seems so abusable. Um, yeah, attrition is pretty good. It, it's, um, I use it with Bitter Blossom in my, in my fairy deck. Oh, there you go. Yeah, in, in my, in my fairy, um, for those who don't know, like for the viewers, I guess, uh, Attrition is a three-drop black enchantment. Uh, it's two black and a colorless, and it says uh, pay a black, sacrifice a creature, and kill a non-black creature. So it's basically a terror for every creature you sack, but it costs one less than terror. Doomblade. Oh, is it? It's non-black. It's not non-black, non-artifact, right? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't remember, but but yeah. So basically, with Attrition and Glissa. You could in bitter blossom. Let's just let's go for the the, the total awesomeness. <laughs> then you could recur whatever artifact you want as long as you get creatures to kill. Yeah, I mean the big thing about Glissa for me is like the hero blade hole is a three four, right? Yeah. So a three four for four mana. Let's look at it that way. Okay, so it has to swing so the battle cry activates, right? Right. Okay, so what you immediately get when you play it. It's a 3-4 for 4 mana, right? Right. Okay, and that's it, right? Right. Okay, so now let's look at Glissa. 
When you play Glissa, what do you get? A 3-3 three, three for 3 with Death Touch and Lifelink. First Strike, Death Touch. Uh, f- first Strike and Death Touch. Right? Yeah. So, like, that already passes the vanilla test. True. See what I'm saying? Is like, yeah. you instantly get, you get the effects, not the effects, but you get the... You have those abilities on the board and ready. Yeah. You don't have to swing with it. You can, you can block with it. You can, you know, and anything it blocks, it kills. You know what I mean? It's right. like Drag it's like Drago from Rocky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um so yeah, that's why I like Glissa more. Um you know, I, I like I like the idea of using her with Executioner's capsule or like um you know, ratchet bomb or, or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where if you're gonna blow up a bunch of creatures you get your ratchet bomb back. Or if you're gonna executioner's capsule it's like a machine gun, you know? Yeah. I mean, it all seems pretty damn good, right? Yeah, so, I mean, this is stuff that immediately, like, if you have a Ratchet Bomb on board when you play Glissa, then you can blow it up and then get it back immediately. So, wow. so, like, so I see those, like, I see those effects as stuff, I guess that's why I would say, like, Glissa's better, in my opinion, or more playable, so to speak. Yeah, so, I mean, money-wise, like, which one's going to be worth more money? I don't know. I mean, it's whatever people want, right? It doesn't matter what's good. I think I mean I think the Glissa again will be a uh, popular EDH general so I think that like foil foil versions of that one might push it over the top a little bit. Yeah. Forget about everything I just said it's also an elf. So let's just picture it doesn't have an ability. It's a 3/3 first strike death touch elf for 3 mana. It's like that yeah. already seems really good, yeah. It's pretty good, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. yeah, I like it. I would I would definitely put it in my Nath deck, my Nath EDH deck. Let's get right into it, um, because I keep seeing the card staring at me on the spoiler list right next to the uh, the Glissa. What do you think of the new Tezzeret? Oh, the new Tezzeret. <laughs> I think it's awesome. I think it's really good. This is another one of those things. Is like my initial snap response is Tezzeret is really good, and uh, it, it will see constructed play. I would say it's C constructed play in standard, extended, and possibly vintage and legacy. It seems really, really good, doesn't it? Like it just yeah. seems so good. Um, all I want to do is like play some sort of blue black control. Like instead of like Seagate Oracles running like Dark Steer Mirror, Dark Steel Mirror. Uh-huh. And you just go turn <laughs> three Dark Steel Mirror, turn four, Tezzeret, make it a 5-5 five, five indestructible creature and attack with it. Yeah. Like, that seems fun, right? <laughs> yeah, I, the thing about Tezzeret is, like like you just said, you're getting a 5-5 five, five for four mana. Yeah. So, already, like, if Tezzeret was just a creature, if Tezzeret was a black and a blue and two colorless for a 5-5 five, five creature, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. You don't get creatures like that in black and blue, do you? No, you don't get, you don't get, that's green. That's like white. You don't get like over vanilla spec creatures. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the last one I could think of is uh, Marori from Ravnica. It's like a 4-4 flyer for two, a blue and a black. Oh, yeah. And it was like, it like, like pinged you for one every turn. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, um, it's like, uh, what's his name? The Esper... The Esper guy, uh, he's a 4-4 four, for four, 4 with flying. Oh, Tower Gargoyle. Tower Gargoyle. See, yeah. See, it's, it's like a Tower Gargoyle, but not. 
<laughs> because it's a 5-5, five five, and he does, like, all this other stuff, you know? Yeah, I, I think he's really strong. There's a lot of different ways you can abuse him. I love his ultimate. I think his ultimate is really sweet. Yeah, his uh, ultimate can end the game. Like, if you're running in a time seed deck or something, it's a kill condition and... Uh, yeah, it's totally a win condition for time sieve combo and extended. Yeah. Wow, that's a really interesting point. Like, you think this card could, like, push time sieve up the ladder a little bit and extended? Because, you know, extended season continues on well after rotate, or right, well after this sets in, right? When does extended season end? Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, because I know, I mean, it at least continues for a couple months after Besieged to become standard legal and, you know, extended legal, obviously. Yeah, it'll also be, uh, Time Steve will be in extended next year, right? True, very true, because yeah. it was a shards yeah. deck. I mean, I'm sure there are a couple cards from Lorwyn Block that help it out a lot, but yeah. Yeah, but no, not it, as much as the help we're getting in these sets. Right. I mean, you know, so so yeah, t- I, think, I think this is definitely a card for Time Steve. And, like, one of the things is, you can use it as a kill condition, or, like I said, enable it. You can search for your time seed, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, not search, but, I mean, look at the top five cards. Yeah, you I mean, Scry 5 it. seems like a good ability. <laughs> so, I, I had pictured it in that kind of build. Um, that new card, Sphere of the Sun, have you seen that? It's like an artifact, it's a two-drop, and it comes in play tap. There was that thing in Cold Snap, uh, Dark Steel Dark Heart. Dark Steel Heart, yeah. Yeah, it's basically a Dark Steel Heart. It comes in the, and, and enters the battlefield tapped with three charge counters. When it tap, remove a charge counter to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Yeah, see, so like I could see that in like a blue-black control deck with Tezzeret. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, you would use that anyways because it's, people play Chalice. So it is, it is an accelerant. And the turn you play Chalice, you never use Chalice if you play it on turn two, you know? Right. So it's like, this thing is just better than Chalice on turn two. And then, and then you get the because you can tap for double blue or, you know, whatever you need blue black if you're if you're if you don't have your black land yet, uh, even though the the color fixing is really good. So, I mean, I doubt that there'll be a time. Plus, you get like creeping tar pits. You get that kind of stuff. You get Jace. So you could run a blue black deck with a with with more artifacts. These kind of things that ramp your mana a little bit and stuff like that and really make Tezzeret usable. No, I mean, Tezzeret just seems really strong all around. It seems like it's dying to be built around, and I guess we've kind of figured that it could be pretty good in some other formats, too, so... Yeah, in Vintage, a 5-5 is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, you could just play and make your Mox a 5-5 and just start beating down. I mean, a 5-5 usually, you know, what what creatures are you seeing in Vintage? You're seeing Dark Confidant, you're seeing... I mean, unless they tinker, of course. With a tinker, you're, you know... You're going to probably be seeing this blight steel dragon. There we go. Transition. Yeah, I was hoping you would make it. Awesome. So, yeah. yeah, one card that you could tinker into in Vintage is Blight Steel Colossus. Yeah, Blight Steel Colossus. May yeah. I please read all of the stats? Because this just brings out the Timmy and me so bad. Do it. All right. So, it costs 12 to cast. It's an 11 11 artifact creature golem. As trample and infect, Blight Steel Colossus is indestructible. If Blight Steel Colossus would be put into a graveyard from anywhere, reveal Blight Steel Colossus and shuffle it into its owner's library instead. That oh, is awesome. It has infect. So, like, 
if you hit someone once with that and they don't block, it's yeah. does that mean they die? Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. Um, my roommate was saying that it's the first creature that can kill you in one hit, but that's not necessarily true because Phage the Untouchable could also. It's such an incredible, <laughs> such an incredible creature. Now, the, the first thing that came to mind for me, because Shape and New, you know, was a rare from Scars of Mirrodin, and I hated it. Because I'm like, well, that <laughs> sucks. Because there's no way to produce, you know, an artifact out of nowhere to use this card. But then they printed Master's Call. Master's Call is an instant, costs a white and two. Put two 1-1 one, one colorless mirror artifact creature tokens onto the battlefield. So ever since I saw Master's Call, I was like, okay, so what, I wonder if they're going to print something that'll make Shape anew. That would be really enticing to grab with Shape anew off of a Master's Call. And I think that we've found it. <laughs> <laughs> the cool thing about Shape anew as opposed to uh, Polymorph is that you can run other creatures in your deck with yeah. Shape anew because Shape anew just looks for an artifact. Victory's Herald. It's a 4-4 four, four flyer for three white and three colorless it's a rare whenever it attacks attacking creatures gain flying and lifelink until end of turn does it seem like victory's herald is kind of the true conviction of this set and casting cost too but like just in how bad it's going to swing some games in limited yeah, that's definitely one of those cards that in limited it's just going to be like I think it's even better in limited because the dude you know so that's another one I really excited to see. Phyrexian Rebirth is an interesting card. I like the flavor of it a lot. Phyrexian Rebirth is two white and four. It's a sorcery. Destroy all creatures, then put an XX colorless horror artifact creature token onto the battlefield where X is the number of creatures destroyed this way. Yeah, this card is definitely going to see constructed play. Just, I mean, it's, it's sick flavor factor too. It's just such a fun flavor, and the fact that it's like you know a day of it's basically a day of judgment where you get a creature back is just always. Yeah, because always one strong. of the big one of the big problems with dropping a day of judgment is that you have an empty board. You know what I mean? Unless you have a planeswalker, then it's sick. You know, but like. Even now, if you have a Planeswalker and you drop this, now you have some way to protect it, you know? Wait, are they really... Is Star City Games really selling Blightsteel Colossus for $11.11? 11 cents. Yeah, isn't that sick? <laughs> that's hilarious. Like, that's yeah. not a typo. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that, that's awesome. That's one of the cool things. Like, I mean, whenever I see someone do something like that, like, like Star City Games, I mean, they're like you know, an industry leader here and, you know, they're not above humor. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> I think it's awesome. That's great. Foils of that card are going to be expensive. Why would you tinker for anything else in vintage? True. No, it's very true. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, if you tinker, that's the new tinker target. I mean... The fact the, that it has infect is so good. I mean, like, it's just it's just going to, like, kill anything. Like, if there's an indestructible creature, it's just going to kill it. I mean, there's, like, nothing that can stop it, I feel. Yeah, so, like, if this guy went toe-to-toe with Darksteel Colossus, he'd win. Yeah. <laughs> he would. Yeah, he would. He literally beats Darksteel Colossus head-to-head, which is kind yeah. of hilarious. I want to talk about one more card from the spoiler. Actually, no. I want to talk about two more cards in the spoiler list. The first one is Thrun the Last Troll. 
Yep. Uh, Mythic Rare. Uh, it's a two green and two. It's a four four legendary creature, Troll Shaman. Thrun the last troll can't be countered. Thrun can't be the target of spells or abilities your opponents control. And one and a green to regenerate Thrun. Seems pretty good, yeah? I guess it's alright. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you're looking at the vanilla test again, the 4-4 four, four for 4, right? Right. But then, yes, Troll Shroud, pun intended. Right. And he can regenerate from Day of Judgment. And you can't counter him. Yeah. You also can't count. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty strong. It seems yeah. really good. I'm, I love seeing good green creatures. So, uh, yeah, this is it's really good because it's like, I mean, this is one of the one of the frustrating things about playing against Jace. You know, is that when you get a good beater that can really put a clock on Jace, it's like he just bounces it. You know, right. But this guy, he can't be bounced. He can't be dayed. So he's coming in. He's coming for your Jace, man. <laughs> yeah, he sure as hell is. <laughs> <laughs> he's pissed off. <laughs> he is not pleased. He's like, I'm the last of my kind. I have to represent for my kind. Yeah. Could you imagine putting that uh, sort of body and mind on this guy? Yes, I can. <laughs> yes, I can, John. Yeah, that's living the dream right there in standard. I can I can imagine that. <laughs> yeah, I think this card is really good. Um, it's definitely going to see some play, you know? Yeah. I don't know if it's worth what it's pre-selling for. I mean, I'd be careful with the word worth. I mean, people are paying that, that amount for it, so it is worth it because people are paying it. But, like, I don't know if, if in the, at the end of the day it's going to end up... If it's going to retain that value. Yeah, or if it's going to go up, you know? Who knows? Right. I mean, I really feel like it's hard to measure this guy until he's actually being played. And I think it's one of those cards that when people start playing it, they're going to be like, wow, this is a really good card. I mean, just being able to have it kind of for as long as you feel like keeping it alive yeah, is, I think, completely relevant. And then the other card I just wanted to briefly mention is Viridian Corruptor because it's just exciting to me. It's a 2-2 for 2 green and 1 creature elf shaman. Infect when it enters the battlefield, destroy target artifact. Yeah. That's ridiculous. That's really good. That really helps the infect decks a lot, I feel like, in limited. Oh, in limited, yeah. It's just disgusting, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a great tool for them in constructed, too, frankly. Um, yeah, but what artifacts are you going to want to kill in constructed, you know? I don't know. Who knows? They're, Maybe something from the set. Yeah, they're... They sure are printing a lot of artifact removal in this set, aren't they? Like Crush, Into the Core, that Viridian dude I just mentioned. Yeah, you could Into the Core a Blightsteel Colossus. Yes, you could. That's too bad. But you can also Revoke Existence it. Yeah. All, and all these cards that we're mentioning are, I mean, Steel Sabotage even. What's Steel, Steel Sabotage? I haven't seen that one. Steel Sabotage is one blue, it's an instant. Choose one. Oh, yeah, Count, bouncer. Counter, counter target artifact spell or return target artifact to its owner's hand. Yeah, it's like a null, but Ugh. Like, awesomer. It's an amazing card. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's that's pretty good card for sure. Now, I just wanted to briefly ask you some questions about trading because, you know, it's uh, something you're known for being pretty good at. 
Really? I didn't. I didn't know. I thought. Yeah. It was, I thought it was like my awesome polymorph decks and like shape a new knowledge. You know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I hate to break it to you, John. It's not that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you look for? It's definitely. It's definitely one of those times. You got a new format and extend it. Uh, you don't really know what it is because uh, before Extended started to really form, I mean, Extended has been incubating for the last uh, few weeks, you know? The metagame is really starting to form and, you know, decks are becoming dominant and other decks are, you know, becoming like answer decks to those decks. But before that, uh, you had like a fresh slate, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you, you, could really, you could really make a lot of money in that time. Because nobody knows what was going to be good, so to speak. So you have to kind of dig back. And I talked about this in one of my articles about, you know, um, Prismatic Omen and, uh, you know, cards like that, Scape Shift. These kind of strategies from the past, because there was a Prismatic Omen Scape Shift deck before. So, and that deck ran a Blood Moon, which was kind of awesome. Because I think the time step works, like, if you have a Blood Moon, then you have a Prismatic Omen... I think you could still tap your lands for whatever, but the other guy can't. Oh, so, that's awesome. Yeah, so so they were running like Blood Moon Jays, Prismatic Omen. It was pretty pretty sick deck. So for Extended, what I did is I started playing Extended before anyone was playing Extended. Right. So I got on Magic Online and I bought up all like four times Extended. And this right. is when this is before Extended, kind of before Extended season, a couple weeks before. So all those cards that I bought were just super cheap i mean i was getting like cryptic commands at like four tickets you know stuff like that and i mean now cryptic command is like 20 tickets so so i started playing extended with whoever was kind of playing extended i think uh there was a couple guys uh frank lapore uh smitty just a handful of guys who had extended decks that they were trying out you know so i just wanted to get a feel for the cards again because when i start to I don't like to say speculate, but when I start to examine and evaluate cards, if I see a card in a deck list, because deck lists are a big part of how to how to trade in this time, is to really start watching these early deck lists from Magic League and from all these other places to kind of get a feel for where are people's heads at. You know what I mean? Right. So when you when you look at those deck lists, you want I want to know is that card really legit or is it just a fluke or is it because i can't interview the guy who ran the deck i can't be like hey how did you like that card how did it perform you know and if it's a strange card then you want to be on top of it if it's actually good you know you want to get the copies you want to buy stuff on magic online you want to go buy paper copies and be ready for when the deck starts to really germinate and starts to really grow you know yeah so like the first thing i did was start to play a lot of extend it and just kind of get a feel for the cards again and, and try to get my, my hand on the pulse of the format, which is not really that doable when you only have, like, a handful of guys playing and we are not pros, so, you know, we're not developing top-of-the-line deck. So so then the next thing is just watch the deck list for every tournament that you can get your hands on and see what is starting to pop up. And then you have to, you have to like, once you see a deck, you have to decide, is this deck just a passing phase is it a deck that's going to be a mainstay in the tournament scene? Like, maybe it's not the deck that's going to be a mainstay, but maybe it's a card or a combination of cards. So you really have to look at um, at those kind of things. And I talked about some of the things that I see in Extended right now that are not getting a lot of um, a lot of attention. 
I talked about that in my article um, this week. And I mean, some of those things are like, I don't think these cards are necessarily going to shoot up in price, but it's the kind of card that is po poised for for growth, you know what I mean? Like Primal Command is like a 3 or $2 card right now. Right. But Primal Command is used in this combo elf deck, and it's used in this Conley Woods Ooze deck, and so it's possible that you know, primal command it could be something to invest in. I mean, when you're when you're investing, though, you want to make sure that it's like primal command has a strike against it because it's only going to be in this extended format, and then it, I think it's going to rotate, right? Because I think yes, that's right. Because yeah. it was a uh, it was in Lorwyn, so yeah, yeah, so it's only going to be around this year. Yeah, so I think Lorwyn rotates, and so you don't want to see. You always want that second chance. Mm -hmm. You always want that second chance at the, at the next extended season. So, like, if you buy Primal Commands now, you know, chances are it could go up or it could not, depending on how the deck does. But the, be the best thing to do is watch. Don't buy the Primal Commands yet. Watch the deck list. And once you start to see them pop up on the Magic uh, Online dailies, if you start seeing a lot of Primal Command, then go and buy Primal Commands. You know what I mean? Because that's, that's where decks start is on Magic Online. And in those daily tournaments, if they're doing well in there, chances are they're going to be at a big tournament, and chances are they're going to do well at a big tournament. So just watching those deck lists, um, one of the cards that I think is, is going to see a lot of play this extended season and probably next extended season is Sun Titan. Oh, yeah. That, I've been hearing some rumblings about Sun Titan being very powerful in extended. Yeah, because like you have Kitchen Finks. Yeah, you have Kitchen Finks, you have Vendillion Click. Um, you have omens. It's bringing back uh, prismatic omens. It's bringing back uh, you know your your tectonic edges or your velikuts. There's so much that it even in Naya you want to have your spark mage in Naya. So like there's even like a you know sun titan the sideboard of some Naya decks because it's like they want to get that that uh, spark mage back. You know so so that's a card that like you have two chances that you have this extended season to start seeing some growth in it and then you have next extended season. So, I mean, that's how that's how I handle Extended. Like, I play it, you know, I get my head in the deck list, and I listen to what the pros are saying about what's good and what's not. And if the card it has a low price, and a lot of pros are saying it's good, and I'm seeing it in Magic Online dailies, um, and I've been watching it, then I'm going to go and buy it. I mean, for spoiler season, the biggest thing is you have to know two things. You have to know, one, chances are there's probably a 90% chance that whatever you pay for, at this point, whatever you pay in uh, in a pre-order pricing is going to be too high. You know what I mean? Like, no matter what you buy, chances are it's going to be too high in, in the pre-order pricing. Because right now, everything is so crazy with these the pricing of these Mythic Rares and stuff. People are just willing to pay just crazy amounts for these things because they're worried that they're going to miss the next Jace, you know? And it's just not representative of real life. So when the set comes out and supply starts to grow and demand isn't there, the card starts to fall in price. I mean, even good cards like um, uh, what were good, like Koth. Koth is up there for a while now. It's like twenty five bucks, you know, uh, stuff like that. Uh, All the planeswalkers. All the planeswalkers were fifty bucks when the the set uh, was released. Yeah, and now they're now they're all down, you know. Yeah. And then you have uh, it's like a Molten Tail Masticore. Yeah. Which is a good card. I, I expected to see play at some point. It's it's an artifact, you know. I mean, 
in an artifact block, you probably start to see some play somewhere, you know? And uh, it, it's good. So that card was up there for a while, and now it's down. You know? Is that like 10 bucks? Yeah, it was like 25 for a while. Yeah, I remember so, selling them. I remember one weekend, like, finding an $18 buy price on those and selling 10 in that weekend. Like, just picking up 10 and just moving them all that weekend for, like, 18 bucks each. It was so sweet. Yeah, I remember doing that, too. They were, like, 22 at the time, and I sold them for 18. I sold a big handful of them, and I posted on Twitter. And Brian Kibler goes, hey, that's the wrong direction to be going on those cards, you know? Because he knows that they're good cards, but at the same time, good doesn't mean good doesn't mean high price, you know? Right. Yeah, so... So, yeah, so spoiler season, I guess the best thing to do is keep your head on straight. Don't buy things uh, at pre, pre-order pricing because chances are it's going to be it's gonna be lower, you know. The best thing, what I always do is I don't buy a lot of the new set. I just go and I do a couple sealed uh, sealed events, and then I just trade at those, at those places. I trade for everything. Yeah, oh, yeah. I trade like, for the like common crazy. uncommons, like just... If someone wants to trade me their whole sealed deck, I'll trade for it. Because I know that someone else is going to come over needing those common uncommons or wanting to build an infect deck or, you know, needing master's calls or, like, even though these cards might not be playable in the future, even though they're probably not going to be worth anything, in the in the two weeks after the set is released, they're gold. Oh, I, lo- I, love, I love what you're saying right now. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, I really love... I really love what you're saying. Like, this is, like, motivating me for next weekend. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it's just, like, especially um, especially at the pre-release, it's because you get that weak jump on everything, and then when you go to the release tournament, you have a binder full, and I always do this. I go to a pre-release, and I just trade for everything. I'll trade Force of Will. I'll trade a Force of Will on my binder for a stack of, you know, stuff from the new set, because... I'll get more for that stack than I will that force will. Hmm. So, like, I'll just fill up my binder with all the new stuff, all the rares that I can get. And then when I go to the release, I open my binder and, some, and people are like, whoa, how did you get all of these rares already? And so it's just like a, it's like a shopping, it's like a convenience store for them because it's like everything they need for all those decks that they've been dreaming about for the last month is all right there at their fingertips. Hmm. So, so you know, that's the best way. And, and if you have a lot of the cards they need for a deck, they'll just trade with you specifically. And that's how you win against these other people who say, oh, I have this one card in my, for my sealed. I'll trade you it. You know, right. and you're, you're like, well, you have that one card, but I have everything this guy needs right here. You know, so, you know, who who's the guy going to want to trade with? Is he going to want to do two trades or one trade? So, so the overall, the, the strategy for pre-releases is to trade for every random thing you can for the best value you can get, and then trade it at a premium to people who need those cards for decks. Yeah, and I would even, like, if I was faced with the choice to trade for one of these choice rares at, like, at the pre-release buy price, or at the pre-release sale price, like... If somebody was like, I'm going to pick a card besides Tezzeret because if someone wants to trade me a Tezzeret, I'm going to take it because I want them <laughs> for myself, you know? Right. But but let's say, like, somebody wanted to Thrun. trade, like, a Thrun, you know? I, I probably won't personally play with Thrun. I mean, unless it's, like, 
the unbeatable deck of the world and you know I have to play with it to win um, so like if someone wants to trade me a Thrun at nineteen ninety nine, right but yeah. someone else wants to trade me like you know uh, a couple of these uh, Phyrexian Bat Mothers and uh, a Blightsteel Colossus and a Glissa promo like I'd rather put my resources in all that than a Thrun yeah. that makes sense yeah you know, because then someone who wants this Bat Mother is going to give me more than one ninety nine for it. It's going to give me a in trade. They might give me three for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, and then and then everyone knows the price of Thrun, and and nobody's going to give me over usually what what Thrun is worth. You know? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So like, so they'll be like, oh well, Thrun's twenty. That that's all I'm trading for that. You know? Right. I mean, there are those few people who are like, I want a Thrun and I want it now. And I'll give you thirty dollars in cards for it, but hopefully, like I'm not, I'm not shying away from Thrun. Like, if so, if I can get it at a good deal, then I will. But like, you know, so hopefully I'll have a Thrun or two on hand. You know, for those situations where people are just like, look, I need it now. I'm impatient. I don't want to wait. I don't want to pay money. You know, then I'll right. trade. You know. I think this is a good place to wrap it up. We just wanted to briefly. Uh mention that Star City Games is officially taking over the entire world. You will and all, the universe. <laughs> yeah, you will all be given your assimilation pills in the mail in the next couple weeks, um, <laughs> at which point you are to follow the instructions and obey. Or as I'm, the Phyrexians would say, all will be one. <laughs> all will be one indeed. What I wanted to do is welcome our two new writers that have joined forces with us to truly make us an immovable object. Uh, Michael J. Flores and Brad Nelson. Michael J. was with us. Well, of course. Well, Mike, the, Mike's a returning a returning yeah. writer. But, so uh, we want to welcome Michael J. back. I mean, when I first got into Magic, one of the main reasons I bought Premium was because of Michael Flores and because of Pat Chapin. Like, those were the two guys that I was reading constantly was Mike Flores and Pat Chapin. Yeah. I think that's why I'm so awesome now. I, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, and then Brad Nelson, I mean, we have now, with Star City Games, we have both of the, the competitors for Player of the Year. Yeah. So, so now we can honestly say that, hey, we have the Player of the Year right for us, whoever it may be, you know? That's right. Either way, we win. <laughs> So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, have you seen have you seen his, his videos, uh, the Brad Nelson videos on Star City? He just put them up today, I think. Uh, no, I have not. Yeah, this. I mean, he's. I guess it's a it's FF Freak Week over here at Star City Games. Oh, and, right, uh, every, every day. Yeah. Yeah, every day he's putting up new stuff, and it's it's obviously good. I mean, you know, it, it's it's just it's awesome that he's uh he's over here kicking it with us now. Yeah, we have a returning writer coming. Uh, we're recording this on, um, what's the date? Wednesday, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're recording this on Wednesday, and there's someone else coming, returning to Star City Games to write uh, tonight. Really? So, yeah, yeah, so we'll find out a new another guy who's oh returning my God. tonight. Yeah, they're just like, I mean, they're going like full force with the, with the writing roster, and it's, um, it's really good stuff. And I mean, if I can mention another... Another article here, um, Michael Jacobs' uh, MTGO videos with Extended Naya. 
like if any, if anyone's into extended and just playing extended, even if you're not playing Naya, like I recommend watching these videos. It's really he's playing a, an MTGO daily and he goes through the matches and just uh, gives commentary. And he's really just the commentary is really good. It gets you thinking about playing Magic in a whole other way. And uh, I think it, I think it's awesome videos. You know, Flores and Gavin's articles in the last week have been about extended, and Gavin's was notable because it had forty, 40 different words <laughs> yeah. for extended, which I thought was really cool. Just love the fact that he just like threw all his goofy ideas out in one article. I just thought it was great to like see like the way that he thinks about a format. You know? Yeah, it was crazy. Like. I thought I was a deck builder, you know? I'm, yeah. Yeah, I like, I like brewing decks. I like building it. Like, I get I get my hands on an idea, and I'm just like, I want to build a deck out of this, you know? So I might build a deck. Usually it sucks, and then, well, it always sucks. And then, uh, you know, then I give it up. But to see this guy, man, I mean, he's built some decks, dude. He's got tons of them here. So cool. So I think we, put, we touched on all the points that uh, I wanted to cover this week looking forward to seeing what the rest of you know spoiler week holds and definitely can't wait to get my hands on the full spoiler really excited to go play in the uh in the pre-releases i already told my job that um i had to work all weekend for my other job which you know sunday i do have to run a pre-release but Saturday, I'm just going to the regional. I don't care. That's what I just told him. I'm like, yeah, I gotta work all weekend, so I can't be in. So, <laughs> so I'm pretty pumped. You're like, work the trade tables. Yeah. Work work on building a sealed deck or work on drafting backwards. But uh, I, I'm excited about the draft change. That's going to be fun to try. I already feel like there's so much artifact hate in that first those, that first pack and at the pre-release remember you're going to be doing two packs of Besieged there's going to be so much artifact hate going in those first two packs that like I don't know it seems like <laughs> artifact strategies are going to be a lot tougher to pull off yeah I think it seems like you're not going to want a lot of artifacts in your, in your deck which seems a little counterintuitive to the whole block but uh, I'm sure probably just way go with the this. blue white skies build right yeah, that's always that always seems to work out well. <laughs> all right, so uh, yeah, so I guess that's about it. So that's about all we have this week. We are Yo MTG Taps, and I'm Joey Pasco. <laughs> <laughs> Top bitch and stuff. You're not Joey Pasco. <laughs> I am Joey. Pasco. No, you're not. Yes, uh, I, I am. All right, so that's all we have for this week. We are YoMTG Taps. And I'm Joey Pasco. No, stop. <laughs> stop saying it, I'm Joey Pasco. <laughs> Just say stop bitching, start brewing. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Alright everybody, that's all the time we have for this week. We are YoMTG Taps. And I'm not Joey Pasco. Stop bitching, start brewing.
EOMTG Taps is available every Friday on StarCityGames.com. Visit our website, IWantMyMTG.com, for past episodes, t-shirts, free stickers, and more. You can contact us at YoMTGTaps at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at YoMTGTaps. Yup, you really got me 360 degrees. I guess that's how it goes when you still had all these. I still have.